In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... The Betches Brides Podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed. Because after all, it's only one day of your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Betches Brides Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Pellegrino. And I'm Jordana Abraham, and we have a very special guest today. Um, We have a licensed couples therapist and my older sister, Dr. Naomi Bernstein. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here with you, ladies. We're so excited to have you. I know you're a fan favorite on the You Up podcast. If you guys haven't listened, go back and listen to Naomi's episode there. Um, I mean, we this episode has been a long time coming. Our audience has been begging for us to bring a professional like yourself on to talk about all these topics. So we're super excited. Do you? So do you get like a lot, do you get anyone, you do a lot of couples therapy. Do you get many people who come into couples therapy before they're married or is it mostly like after? For sure. Um, I'd say it's probably maybe even 50, 50, at least right now for my practice. I love doing therapy before with couples because, and even this whole, that's why I was so excited to come on this particular podcast because I feel like the wedding process was sort of designed to encourage conversations that sometimes don't end up being had. It sort of pushes the issue and forces those conversations to happen, um, which is great. It's like a little boot camp relationship boot camp that happens when you're dealing with in-laws and weddings and planning and decisions and all the rest of it. So um, totally. I feel like it's the first like large financial decision you have to make as a couple. And then also like, you start to really get the opinions of people's like parents and family. And like, I feel like all of those dynamics, it's really like all at once. It's, it's like a really good or bad relationship test, I guess, depending on which way it goes. Right. Right. hundred percent. I, I, I love, you know, it, it, you come in, one of the questions that I saw that some people had was, you know, why do I need therapy if nothing's wrong? Or do we need therapy if nothing's wrong? And I think that just the wedding process and doing all that stuff together, making financial decisions, you know, getting involvement from in-laws, it just, it's a perfect storm. And like you said, it can go either way. You can either use it to really dig in and be vulnerable with one another and, you know, explore some of those vulnerabilities that come up when you're talking about specifically in-law stuff, finance, all that stuff is really the reason why those things become issues is because in my opinion, they touch on vulnerabilities, whether it's a financial vulnerability or my family is a little crazy. I never realized that my mom was so controlling vulnerabilities or whatever stuff comes up. um, And it's a good time to kind of bond on that and connect on that and be willing to support each other. Or you can go the other way, which is just both get defensive and argue. So um, So do you feel like when you when you meet these, or when when people come to you before they're getting married, do you have a sense of like, in the back of your head, or, or maybe like to them, like, you need to work on some things? Or like, you're good to go? Like, are there couples where you're like, I feel like you should probably work on these things before? Because I feel like a lot of people come like right into us and they're like, um, they discovered all these new things about their partner or the way they communicate mm-hmm. or the way they deal with like stress, stressful situations that they never had to, to deal with. And I feel like some people probably decide to figure that out before they get married and some people probably <laughs> after. Yeah. Right. I mean, I... Um, I, I do feel like the fact that they're in the therapy room is always a good sign, you know, because it means that they're both willing to talk and they're both willing to work, um, on the relationship. So I'm always hopeful if they're both there, the part that gets sticky is if they come in and there's a date and it's not too far away and it's just one person coming in and saying, 
we're having these issues, but this person is not willing to talk about it. Then it's kind of like, oh, you know, maybe you want to reconsider the date or push it back or think about that if there's these major issues and the other person's not even willing to really. We got so many questions. I was actually so surprised with how many people were like, uh, where I'm planning my wedding, I really want to do couples therapy. How do I convince my significant other to go with me? Because I guess there is a lot of um, pushback from a lot of times the men in the relationship don't want to go to therapy. Well, Um, I think there's this, I agree with you. And I think there's a sense of like, um, for men of like, we're not even married yet. Like, why right. do we have to, do you know what I mean? Like, right. we're not like, like, it seems like a, it seems, it seems to them like it's like a sign of like a, and I think there's a stigma of like, I, I'm sure you've seen that too, where it's like, we're in couple, we're all right. Re- we're already in couples therapy right. and we, you know, we're not even married yet. Right. You get that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Or I think it, it's this feeling of there's, you know, there, there's something wrong. Maybe this isn't the right decision. Maybe we jumped into it. Maybe, you know, if we have to do this, then there, then there's something majorly wrong. And mm-hmm. maybe I think sometimes one or both people don't want to admit that. So they don't want to go or it's sort of rationally, it makes no sense. You so you already know that there's issues that need to be discussed just by virtue of admitting it and going into a couples therapist doesn't make it any more or less true that those issues are there. It just means that you're actually addressing them. You know, do you have any couples that come in and they're like, look, our relationship's pretty great. We just want to talk to you and make sure we're preventing any future issues. Like, is it like Botox where you get preventative Botox (laughs) to prevent future wrinkles? Right. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I, I do usually, um, I do get that. And I think it's great. And usually it's like, we need, we just want to work on our communication, which is ultimately mm-hmm. what it's all about and what we do. So, um, but a lot of times it's because there's some stuff that is just starting to brew and people are psychologically minded and realize that the worst thing you can do is ignore these problems and not talk about them because you have a wedding coming up. So like, let's not address it because we have the wedding coming up. And then it's only going to snowball or you stuff it down and then it turns into some kind of big blow up, which is that's probably the case when you see people that are calling off weddings like two weeks before the wedding because they've been stuffing stuff down for so long. All of a sudden it's like you can't stuff it down anymore, you know? Well, what do you feel like when people like what do you think is the best way for a couple to deal with like a, a disagreement about some aspect of their wedding planning? Like, yeah, it's a good question. The hardest part is listening to the other person, I find, right? So when you want what you want, you're speaking and you just want him to listen and see, you want to explain to him your perspective. So sometimes the best thing you can do is just be like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to him. I'm just saying this because you two women are in the room. So like I was talking, you know doesn't have to be, you know, boys go first, but, um, (laughs) I think the hardest part is really take whoever's going to be the first person to be the listener is like the winner because they're the ones that are going to set the tone for like, okay, why is this important to you? You know, if you're arguing about it, it's obviously important to both of you for some reason. So understanding what that reason is, I think that's always a good question to ask and really listen to the answer. Why is this important to you? And really listen, don't listen to prepare your argument, to try to explain to them why it's not really that important. Like really listen. And then something that is very helpful that sometimes sounds kind of cheesy. And I tell a lot of my couples to do it, but it's almost like repeat back to the person what they're saying to you. So that way, sometimes just hearing the other person say what you feel is like, ah, it's just like, makes you feel at ease. Like they're actually listening. They actually know what I'm saying. They're hearing what I'm saying and they can, and hearing them say it back is like, takes a little bit of the tension out of the argument, even if you end up not agreeing. And then hopefully you can model that behavior and then they'll do the same thing for you. I could totally see that. I feel like Cause when you feel like someone's listening to you, it leads to you feeling like you're on being understood. And I feel like the, the biggest like point in arguments when they don't go anywhere is like, you feel like you're saying the same thing over and over again. And the person doesn't mm-hmm. understand like, or isn't like internalizing what you're saying. And that's the most frustrating thing. Cause you're like, how, 
I keep saying it over again. They're not getting it. How do they like, but it, it, it to me, that sort of means like, I don't feel understood. So what you said is like, I think really important in terms of like just listening and the repeating back thing. I think I would probably enjoy that. <laughs> well, and I feel like couples, like at least Mike and I very much like model each other's behavior. Like if one of us is super grumpy and getting in fights lately, like that, then the other one is going to obviously like take on that negativity. But like in this case, if you're starting to really listen to your partner and and repeat back what they're saying and really truly just actively listen. Maybe the other one, we had a question from the audience. One of our audience questions was like, how do I get my fiance to truly hear what I'm saying? Like maybe it's you model that behavior and then they'll kind of do it back because they see how good it makes them feel when you do it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And yeah. And it also, you know, it just, sometimes like the, the, the defenses are so high and there's, there's tension in the room. So at that point, nobody's really listening at all. So this just, at least if one person feels heard, it like takes the tension down a notch and then perhaps they'll have a little bit more space to then hear what you're saying. So that right. usually is helpful. Right. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And you mentioned communication at some point. I know that. And you said that's all, that's what it's all about. I know that's like Mm -hmm. a huge thing. Like anytime you hear somebody talk about what's the most important part of your relationship, it's always communication, communication. What kind of strategies or advice would you give to couples that feel like they need to strengthen their communication with each other? So one thing that I think is important, and this is, it were, it's important for many couples, not all, but the idea of creating a safe space for communication. So you say, I want you to communicate, but if your fiance comes home and he's like, you know, look, yesterday when you um, did X, Y, or Z, it really made me mad. And you're like, oh, that made you mad? Well, you want to know what made me mad? And then you just like, don't really create a safe space for him to tell you how he feels. Or if you just get defensive and say, well, I did that because you did this. Now you're, you're cutting the, you're cutting that ability for him to communicate because you're not doing that again, that listening piece where you're saying like, okay, I want you to communicate. So I'm going to try my best to create a safe space for you to communicate where I'm not going to get defensive. If you want to tell me something, because it's easy to communicate about things that you don't think are going to upset the other person. So like, it's easy for him to say, oh, I'm going to communicate about how much I appreciated you emptying the dishwasher. Like that's easy to communicate. Well, some people don't, but 
you're not afraid of upsetting the other person. So the, the things that are tough to communicate about are the things where you're afraid you're not going to get a good response. So if you want to encourage that communication, it's important to be able to say, okay, here he is communicating. This is now my opportunity to show him like, this is important. I want to communicate and same thing. So I think creating a safe space and is extremely important. So not, not getting defensive is huge if you can avoid that. Uh, do you feel like it's true when people say, I feel like I've heard, maybe this is just like a, like a, I don't know, thing that people say when they're, they're like the first year of, of marriage is the hardest. Is that, do you think that's a thing? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. And I do think it is a huge adjustment. Um, you're making it's funny. so many decisions together. That's probably one of the hardest parts, you know, after, but I feel like for most couples these days, they're like already living together and they've already planned the wedding. I kind of feel like the way I would envision it would be the first year would be like relaxing, mm -hmm. almost. but I guess it changes. Maybe it's because you're not like, there's no like next immediate thing that you're doing. I could almost see it being like, uh, I could see why people say it because it's almost like when you first graduate from college, it's almost just the internal change of it all that probably is shocking for couples. Like they're like, okay, now we are officially married. Like this is, it's probably just like kind of shock that makes them freak out if anything. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it can go either ways, either way. I think you can just say, oh, wow, this is great. The wedding's over. Like we're just relaxing here. But I do think human nature sometimes is to go to the, like, what's next thing. Mm -hmm. So when you're dating, you're like, okay, what's next? We're going to move in together. Then you move in together and you're like, okay, what's next? We're going to, we better get engaged. And then we get engaged. We have to pick a date. Then we pick a date and we have to plan the wedding. And so you go from next to next to next. And then maybe sometimes there's just lull, which is inc an incredible opportunity to just be mindful and in the moment and enjoying the relationship and your life. But I think sometimes you like almost idle mind is a devil's playground kind of thing. Like maybe there's a lot of room to reevaluate the relationship and how it's working and just overthink and um, maybe start planning. Well, oh my God, well, we, now we're married and you're still going out with your friends and getting drunk. Well, what does that mean? And what if we want to have children? And then what are you going to, you know, you can right. kind of let yourself spiral. That's totally. the one thing that gets like, just to be very vulnerable here and share Mike and I have a great relationship. Um, Nicole's fiance is also named Mike. Just yes. So. yes. Oh, confusing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. No, we share Jordana's mic. My no. mic. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yes. My mic. We, we always say my mic. Um, we have a great relationship, you know, love him to death. We've been together since college. So like seven years now, which is oh, insane. Wow. Um, when we do get into fights, it's usually because I'm freaking me. No, I'm freaking out about like the future or like, you know, will we, especially throughout wedding planning, as we all know, weddings can get very expensive for anybody planning it. I'm like, will we be okay money wise? Like, will we be able to have kids on time when we want to like about that timeline. I get all worked up in that, which I've been trying to live more in the present moment. But um, mm -hmm. do you see a lot of other couples that are like, that's causing points of contention or um, yeah, just things like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's one of the plagues of the human condition is the over planning and the future. Like, okay, you have to have a balance. You have to think about, you know, securing your, you know, home and your health and all that. But I do think people get a little bit carried away with trying to, you're really just trying to protect yourself. You're trying to protect your family. But I do think, yeah, you can get carried away. And if one person's on that page and the other person feels like they're the one constantly trying to calm you down and say, it's going to be okay. And, you know, then sometimes that gets tiring for that person too, because he probably also has his own little, you know, moments where he gets stressed out about it. So you, it is good to have that balance of sometimes you're calming him and sometimes he's calming you, but most importantly that you're each calming your own selves, you know, and realizing we're going to be okay. We're going to have a roof over our heads. If the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is we had to downsize or we had to 
you know, move right. somewhere a little smaller. Or we can't go out to eat as much. Like you're not going to die um, unless it is a situation where you're literally not roof over your head or not going to have food on your table, which usually no, it's not. No, I'm not there. Thank God. Right. Right. So <laughs> most yes, of the time, yeah. if you check yourself, you know, right. you'll be okay. You will be okay. You know, yeah. and that's all that really matters. Do you feel like women tend to, I mean, just the woman that you've seen anecdotally, I feel like I similarly to Nicole, like are thinking like five steps ahead and men are like, well, I'm taking this next step. And I don't want to talk about like, I don't know. I don't need, why, why do we have to talk about when we're going to have a baby or when, like when we're going right. to buy Like they mm-hmm. want to do like things one at a time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe that's just like a, like maybe that has nothing to do with gender, but I found that like, I'm much more into like, so, like you said, like securing like the timeline of like however many steps into the future, whereas men are sort of can to me tend to be like, we'll do it. We're doing this thing. Let's just do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think the timeline, if you can avoid the timeline, it's probably not the healthiest thing to be focusing on, you know, mm-hmm. because a million things can come between you and your timeline. And then all this you know, let's say you have your timeline about when you want to have kids and then you have trouble getting pregnant or you can't get pregnant mm-hmm. at all. You just kind of wasted all this time mm-hmm. worrying about this timeline when it was out the window anyway, you know? Um, yeah. So right. it is good to try to have, you know, more mindful present moment mindset. Flexibility. You can. Yeah. I also feel like a big thing, at least I dole out this advice as if I'm some sort of therapist sometimes, it's comparison is the thief of joy. And that's when I find like, especially throughout the whole wedding planning process, if you think about it, we always say on the podcast, like you're planning your wedding because, um, you know, you, you're, you're planning this amazing wedding, but a lot of the things that stress you out about it are because you're thinking of what people will think and stuff and social media we're all on and that allows you to compare to other people and everything. And so like, I think that's something at least for me, that's come in handy in my relationship. Like I'll, I'll get in fights with Mike because I'll be like, Oh my God, this other couple is traveling to Italy right Mm -hmm. now. Why haven't we been yet? Like those kind of fights. Um, but Obviously, those are very first world problems. But I mean, I think that that just goes back to like, you know, like you said, not not thinking too far, not overthinking, not thinking too far ahead and especially like not comparing yourself because that's where that's where it'll get you. For sure. That's why I mean, social media is just really it's not good for anyone's mental health, I don't think for the most part overall, you know, you keep seeing like, you know, you see this wedding or you see this thing, or you have the, you know, someone's wedding dress and then you regret regret your wedding dress, or you think you should have done it this way. Or, you know, with, like you said, the timeline of who's having babies and when and what, and who's getting engaged. And, you know, it just makes you crazy. So I do think if you Mm -hmm. notice that that's becoming an issue with your partner, take a little break if you can, you know, just take that step back and make a point not to check it as often or not to look at it or because you're right. It takes Mm -hmm. you out of your own life and it, and it reinforces that timeline piece, you know, like what everyone else is doing and when they're doing it. We get, we also get a lot of questions about like, um, how to deal with various people's opinions about your wedding. So I feel like usually it's someone writing in about, you know, their, their mother-in-law wants to do something a certain way, or even their sister is like, you know, or their brother, they should, they, you know, should they invite this person? But, um, I think people get a lot of stress over wanting to like please people or, or how do you deal with like an overbearing family member that sort of insists that something should be done their way? Yeah. I mean, I guess as a couple, (laughs) right. Finances (laughs) probably end up playing into that. I think I saw in one of the beams you guys posted or something about like, you know, no pay, no say or something yes. along those lines. <laughs> we love that. Um, we love that say. <laughs> we put it on a mug actually, brides slash brides merch. Go get it. Yeah. So I, you know, it does make it more complicated when someone is paying and you want to, you know, give them the respect of having an opinion. But I think ultimately it's another opportunity for you and your partner to communicate and decide together 
what the both of you want and then just break the news to whoever's going to be unhappy about it. You know, if that's what you guys, so these are all these little opportunities for the two of you to come together and discuss it. And I think it is important. That's the other reason why therapy is helpful beforehand, because a lot of times family issues, you know, I'll even speak for myself. I didn't, I wasn't as aware of my own psychological issues with my own family until my husband came into the picture. And then I was kind of like, Oh, wait a second. Like there's a different dynamic. Here's my dynamic. This is how this is all playing out. And it, it really does bring to light some of the unhealthy patterns that you might be having in your own family. So it's a great opportunity for you to, get some feedback from your partner about your family of origin and start to realize, Oh, maybe that's a boundary that I need to set that I never set before because I never had to, or I never realized it was an issue. But now that you're incorporating another person, it really brings to light some areas where you need to set certain boundaries. So that's, I mean, like I said, I love working with this population because it's just like, there's so much juicy stuff to dig into you know, issues in the relationship and it all's coming and happening at the same time, you know? Um, Do you see a lot of clients Mm -hmm. that like they, they both, their families are great. They, they each love each other's families, like in the couple, um, in the relationship. Do you see a lot of clients like that? Or is it always like, you know, one side is, um, one side is more like distant from their family and the others like that. I mean, I feel like there's probably a mixture, but honestly, if they're coming in more often than not, there's some family, you know, some unhealthy dynamics in the family. And it's, and I hesitate to use the word unhealthy. I do think, you know, just to be empathic to all the mother-in-laws out there um, on both sides, it's a major change, you know, like your child is now creating a family of their own. And that there's a lot of emotion that comes into it for that, you know, for the parents and trying to make sure that their child is safe and happy and that their child is not in a relationship that feels overbearing in some way and letting go. There's so many dynamics going on for the parents too, that that's a normal part of their, you know, progression in the life cycle is like, you know, when your children get married, so they have their own, you know, Maybe in another right. 20 years, we'll start 30, that's, 40. That's, that's, that's um, true, Nicole. We've, we haven't ever considered the actual feelings of the mother-in-law. Wait, that's <laughs> my own mother-in-law was like, I empathize with the mother-in-laws because we're talking. And, and I was like, I get that because she, like, I'm very protective of my little nephew. He's almost two years old. Like, not I'm not his mother, but I almost feel like I am sometimes. And I'm like, oh, wow, I might be that overbearing, crazy mother-in-law one day if I, you know, if I have a son and he grows up, I'm going to be an overbearing mother-in-law who I've right, complained right. about. So you you never know we'll until a different you're podcast there. By then. Yeah, one day you'll yeah. have the Betches Empty, Empty Nesters podcast. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be how, about how to deal with your bitchy daughter-in-law. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's so funny. So we get so many questions, I think, especially in response to like couples therapy about keeping that like sexy spark alive or yeah. I don't know if you've passion. seen the Netflix show, uh, sorry, passion, I guess that's more PG term Anything. for it. Um, have you seen like sex life? I feel like the, the, um, the gist of that, which got so much response was just like, you have this like housewife who's like bored and like she has her crazy exes with like their, you know, she like thinks back of her fun wild days and like she has this like sexless marriage. Um, do you have any like advice or tips or things you've seen that you've helped with, with couples that you've seen go through that? Yeah. I mean, so again, there's little hints there that sometimes if you're, if you're not connecting, like emotionally connecting with your partner, then the sex is probably also not going to, if you're annoyed with each other, it's probably not going to be a great recipe for desiring closeness and, and, you know, the vulnerability that comes with being sexy and walking into the room and like, you know, making a move. If you guys are having tension and conflict, nobody's going to really want to do that. So I think the emotional piece is, is a a factor there. And then there's also, 
sometimes like these little clues that you can give each other, but they, they end up just being more, you put them in the category of complaints or irritations and get defensive. So if, you know, you know, if you say to your husband, like, Oh, you know, uh, you went to the gym today. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. Like, that's great. Or whatever. And he's like, don't be proud of me. Like, whatever. I don't have to go. You know, if you get, if you take that as like, she thinks I'm fat instead of saying like, okay, like this is something that's a turn on for her. Or this is something that she's, you know, excited by. If you take it and you turn it into, you know, or if he's like, Oh, I'm so glad that you threw those sweatpants out. Like, I really love those new, you know, whatever that you wear, they make your ass look great. Instead of being like, well, what was wrong with my old sweatpants? Like, you don't love me just the way I am. It's just taking those little (laughs) bits and pieces and saying like, this is a little clue of they're giving me a hint of like, what is going to, um, what they like and what they want to see me in or what's attractive to them. So instead of taking that and getting offended by it, take it as information and use it as something that you can pull out when you're trying to, you know, remain attractive to your partner, which is a huge piece of it. Um, And then also, I think the other piece of advice that I would have is taking a step back from social, especially in that wedding planning phase where plan a weekend just alone, where you guys decide like, Mm -hmm. we're not making any social plans this weekend. We are not going to go visit this one and then run to this one. And then we're going to, just take like a staycation alone where it's just the two of you being alone together all weekend, every now and then and prioritize your relationship. If you have to miss your cousin's, you know, whatever birthday, there's always going to be something. So I think it is important to say like prioritize a relationship, prioritize alone time and take those clues that your partner's giving to you about, you know, what's gonna get them going. Right. I love that that advice of prioritize the relationship because that's so easy not to do, especially if you have been together forever for years and years. Like you get comfortable and complacent in a way, and you can be like, you know, this is we're with each other forever. Like we don't have to really try or put each other first. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, like roommates. You don't want to. Oh my god, that's my worst nightmare. Just becoming like roommates and not in love. You know, so I think that's really good advice. But um, yeah, I mean, and then as for do you do you think like really spending quality time together? Like I know people always say like make sure to do a date night once a week. Like are things like that important too? Oh, I'm a big fan of the date night. Like I think it's super super important because it is a little different when you're just home. It, like in your PJs watching Netflix and when you're like, okay, we're both going to go to our separate quarters. We're going to like make ourselves look nice. And then we're going to come out and we're going to, you know, go <laughs> out on a date and make a thing of it where the whole point of this is that we're together. If you, if you just do it when you're home, then like you're going to start folding laundry and he's going to scroll on his right. phone or whatever's going to happen. And it doesn't end up being like real quality time. Um, so I, I totally, I'm a big fan of date nights and I think ideally, especially before you have kids once a week, you know, um, to just your time that you guys do your something that's special, that's, it doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money. It could be anything, but, um, I, I, I'm a big fan of a date night. How do you, we get a lot of questions about like kind of figuring out like your finances or like the finances around a wedding or arguments around that. Like, do you feel like there's anything in particular that like helps kind of make that less stressful or anything couples can do to kind of feel less overwhelmed by that or advice for like merging your finances in general? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like, that's the communication, the vulnerability piece. That's why that's so hard because I think there's different dynamics. Everyone comes from different families, you know, everyone has different feelings of safety, you know, like if you, if one person has parents that are going to be there, if like the shit hits the fan kind of thing and the other person doesn't, you know, it creates. So really having those deeper conversations about like, what are you afraid of? Um, What are your fears here about, are the financial situation. And then, you know, and I don't know if you guys have tried this or, you know, friends of yours, but like sitting down and just making sort of your, you know, a budget or deciding 
how much you both feel comfortable contributing, trying to stick to it as much as you can. And then if things go off the rails, then you kind of come back and have that communication piece again. But I think a lot of times it's deeper. Like you're saying, you know, Nicole, like you were saying, um, just the idea of like, well, I don't want to spend this because I'm afraid then that we won't be able to afford the preschool that we want to send our kid to in five years, you know? Um, that's, so that's, that's some the- of the shit I say now too, which is sad. I'm like, like if Mike will go golfing, I'm like, that's money you could be saving for our kids college. Like I need to stop that. Sorry, go on. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think just checking yourself and realizing like, why am I, what is making this feel so important and tense and maybe it's more of a pattern right like maybe you're noticing like there's a pattern or there's a difference in terms of like you maybe you don't trust the person that you know and that's something that needs to be communicated like you know I don't trust you because this or that or the other thing happened or I feel I'm afraid to trust you or there I usually there's these deeper ish behind finances is security. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a sense of security. That's why couples argue about money because they're feeling insecure. Um, So if you can address that and go a little bit deeper there in terms of like, what are the things that I'm doing that are making you feel insecure and how can I help you feel better about that? Um, Is it better to say, okay, here's your golf budget for the month or here's your whatever people, everyone has their thing, right? And if you could say like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be on top of you every time you do anything because I know that you have a general ballpark idea of what you're supposed to be spending on that. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, I, th- I think it does. And I think it's kind of like what you said, like if someone's like, how do I get my partner to be more financially responsible rather than saying like, you need to be more financially responsible. Something like, like you said, with leading with like your fears, cause that's making you more vulnerable. So like, I'm afraid that, you keep spending like this, like we won't be able to afford whatever. Or, And then they, they might catch you being irrational, like when you're getting so far ahead of yourself and then just hearing it back might be like, okay, right. I really don't have to worry about that right now. Or if it's like, yeah, we don't have much money left in the checking account and you haven't looked at it in six months and you didn't even realize that there wasn't that much left. Well then, yeah, that's why I'm feeling nervous about this. But if you're nervous because the college fund or whatever is something that's like not really important at this moment, then maybe you can, they can calm you a little, have the opportunity to calm you if you are getting ahead of yourself. Or maybe it is sort of like, I think you're oblivious. Like you really don't look at the bank statements and I'm the only one that's looking at that stuff. And I would like you to be a partner. And, you know, so it depends on what the situation is. Um, But laying all the cards on the table and figuring out what are you really afraid of, I think is the bigger issue or the the first place to start. Right. I agree with that. I agree as well. And I can tell that you two are sisters because whenever we have emails come in asking for advice, that's kind of like what Jordana, you always say, I can tell you've gotten free therapy from your sister because (laughs) you say like, get to the why, get to the reasoning of why they're like saying that whether it's your best friend or bridesmaid, whether it's your mother-in-law causing pride, whether it's with your significant other, like always get to the reasoning and the why. And it all goes back to like we were saying in the beginning, communicating, because if you're mm-hmm. not, you'll never figure out why and you'll just resent your partner and you two will just resent each other and lead to right. the divorce well, rate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely comes from, you know, having a great, source of advice in uh in my sister but also i think which leads us to like another good point is having my own personal therapist and i think you've mentioned this on you up um you know i mean where you're kind of like people usually bring someone into therapy because they're like fix fix this person like there's mm-hmm. like the person who's like they're not listening per- to me maybe maybe you can explain it to them right yeah maybe right. you can get it through their head when really it's like i think a lot of the advice that I give or the advice that I've is from the advice that I've gotten from my own personal therapy and my own personal working out my own stuff. Cause you people don't are always thinking of like, why are you doing this to me instead of like, why do you do this in general? Um, and I think that that's why for me, it's important to have my own therapist. Cause when I'm feeling it's like someone objective to, to, to sort of check that against who has no skin in the game, who can say, well, 
this is something that you it seems like you're you're overreacting to this because of something in your past that mm-hmm. you know triggers you in this way or something like that. So I think when we're thinking about like why our partners are doing something or acting something or it feels kind of offensive, it can help to think of like like you said, like looking at yourself and your reaction and maybe your reaction is sometimes like has its own things that need to be unraveled. Fear is a huge drive. Like most of the time when, when the two of you are like feeling activated or feeling like you're getting worked up about an issue, somebody's afraid. There's some fear in the room. And when somebody has that fear and that fear is in the room, then our usual reaction is defensiveness and that's what takes things and makes them blow up. So if you find that you're continuously having the same argument with your partner about something in another form, or it's like the same pattern of argument, and that's why therapy is great because sometimes it's hard for you to figure out yourself is like, what are we afraid of? What am I afraid of? What is he afraid of? And then if you can just kind of face whatever that fear is and deal with it and not be so afraid of it, then usually everything just kind of calms. So there's usually some fear in the room when that's going on. And that's why finances are a huge issue because we're afraid of not having what we need or what we want. Um, Or on the flip side, you're afraid of um, not being able to do the things that you want. If, you know, if he wants to spend and you want to save, you're afraid of not having down the road and he's afraid of not having right now or vice versa, male, female, whatever it is. So Fear is a big driving factor in relationship issues. So sometimes that's why couples therapy is helpful because they can help you figure out what are you, what is each of you afraid of? Because if you weren't afraid, you wouldn't care. It would just be like, all right, fine. You know, get that centerpiece, whatever. It doesn't, I don't really, it doesn't bother me. (laughs) Yeah. Going off of that with um, what couples are kind of afraid of and what they're identifying as those sources of fear. What are some of the most common ones? Like, you said like finances. Do you see a lot of clients that are, you know, afraid of their partner cheating or afraid of, I don't know what other fears you would have, like afraid of not being on the same page. I've had friends break up in relationships because they realize they're just not on the same page for like life goals with their partner. Um, What are some of those most common issues that you see that lead to eventual, God forbid, divorce? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of them. Another one is like fear of losing my identity um, mm-hmm. or fear of losing uh, control. That's like a lot of times like a, that's where the in-law issues come in or fear of not being a priority. That's I think where in-law issues come in. Um, so yeah, you know, I do think like fear, fear of abandonment, um, whether it's physical, literal, physical abandonment, like this person's going to divorce me and leave me, which usually an engagement helps because there's some commitment. Um, But I think there could be, you know, fear of abandonment in terms of emotional, like you're not really listening to me. You don't really care how I feel. You're not connecting with me. Um, Yeah, a lot, but almost every issue can come down to something in the fear family, it seems. We had people ask, do you think it's normal to have doubts before you get engaged or doubts, um, you know, leading up to your wedding? Or is that something that's like a major red flag? It's something to pay attention to. You know, it's almost the same thing as like, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to pay attention to this because it means that this is this isn't right. Like if we need couples therapy before we're even married, then this isn't, you know, so if I'm having doubts before I'm married, there's more than one, more than two options. One is, oh, I'm having doubts. This is the wrong decision. Call it off. Or I'm having doubts. Forget about it. Everyone has doubts. Don't even think about it. There's like a gray area in there, which is like, I'm having doubts and why? And let me see, is this my issue? What am I afraid? You know, going back to that fear. And I think Mm -hmm. if, if you can really figure out, okay, you're having doubts, what are you afraid of? And speak it out loud, whether it's to a therapist or to your partner, ideally, which is always a hard conversation, right? Nobody wants to admit that they're having doubts beforehand, but that's, that's another great conversation to have before you get married. It's like, I'm having doubts. These are the things that I'm afraid of. And then ideally your partner is not defensive and says, tell me more about that. I want to hear what 
is making you afraid. And I want to, you know, help ease your fears and realize that I'm here and I'm with you and we'll work through it together. Um, so I think any of this stuff that comes up beforehand is like, it's weird. It almost, it sounds crazy, but it almost makes me like excited when there are these issues because it's sort of like all the muck is coming up to the surface, you know, like there's all this infection underneath. And then it's like the pimple comes to a head and you can see what all the gook is. And now we can like pop it and move on, you know, instead of just <laughs> yeah. like letting it like fester into fester. some cancer. Yeah. So yeah. that's why this pre-wedding stage is really, in some ways it's a beautiful thing. Cause you can, instead of looking at each of these challenges, like, Oh my God, we're having so many challenges. What's the matter with us? It's like, here's an opportunity to communicate. Here's an opportunity to be vulnerable and connect and get closer. And so, sometimes therapy is helpful or some couples are lucky enough that they can do that. I was going to say though, I feel like that that's exactly why therapy would be amazing for conversations like this, because the professional therapist who's dealt with this billions of times helps you navigate that conversation. Whereas like, if I turned to Mike right now and was like, Hey, I'm having doubts about marrying you. We're getting married September 4th. He'd probably be like, excuse me. Like he'd be, that's a very triggering statement. So, um, I, I feel like that's where a therapist can jump in kind of and be like, well, tell us, like, let's get to the bottom of this and figure out why and just help you, you both of you navigate and uncover that muck under the surface together. Right. And there's a huge amount of confidence building that can happen. Like if you can deal, if you can say to your partner, like, let's say you did say on July 12th, you know, when you're getting married, September, whatever, and you did, you know, your husband came home from work or your fiance came home from work and you said, I'm having doubts about getting married. And you guys had two weeks of like conversations and connection and whatever, and realized like, okay, this is what I'm afraid of. And you went through this whole process of like cleaning out the wound. And then you're like, oh my gosh, so we did that. Like we, we had, we went through that moment where we felt like we weren't going to make it. And then we did, and it's like powerful and it's connecting and it gives you this confidence in the relationship that you can communicate about the tough stuff. And then you can make it through not only the, as good as you were before, but even more connected than right. you were before. Cause you know, okay. you know how to like handle other things that come your way. A hundred percent. And I think that that's, you know, those conversations, they're, they're hard, but you end up being so much stronger for it. And now you can have, you know, an, another conversation that probably isn't going to be as hard as that. If it's just something like, Oh, I was really thinking about that, you know, the sign in board. And I just decided that I really don't like it. And you're like, okay, no problem. Whatever. We could work yeah. through that because. <laughs> um, Dealt with a lot worse stuff. Yeah. Right. Well, it's yeah. almost like any job you have. It's like the more experience you have in that job, the more you can like, deal with like whatever shit comes up in your job like if you have even if you Mm -hmm. have like a kind of particularly tough patient you're probably like all right well i've been doing this for a bit and i've seen some tough patients so i know Mm -hmm. like i i can handle it whereas opposed if you like just start um so i think that's a great it's almost like a it's a great way of looking at problems that come up because it seems like very dire always and i feel like people feel like there's this like ticking time like we have to like do you know what I mean? Like this, like, oh no, like we're having an issue and we're getting married and it's like the worst thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. When really, right. like you said, if you reframe it as like an opportunity, then like it's something good that you can figure out how to deal with it as opposed to if things have always been amazing, then like two years in after you're married, you get this crazy thing to deal with and you now know what to do as opposed to like then having to deal with it. <laughs> For sure. And that's one of the best. That's why I was the other reason why I was looking forward to coming on this podcast also is because you have all the you have the relationship issues, but you have this blanket of the security of the engagement. So there's sort Mm -hmm. of this comfort in knowing that we're committed. And so we're both committed that we're going to work through this. So it's not like if you bring up a doubt or an issue or whatever, something that's difficult it's not as easy for the person to be like, well, this shouldn't be so hard. So like I'm out, you know, um, so it just right. creates a little bit like we first started talking about creating a safe space for communication. So the engagement itself sort of creates a safe space for communication or creates, you know, I do find a lot of couples, like I've had couples that 
you know, have huge arguments and they're, they're stressed about every little thing and they argue about every little thing. And then the engagement happens. And all of a sudden it just like the tension goes away because there's this like safe space and there's this blanket of security that comes over the relationship, you know, already trapped his ass. (laughs) Yeah. You can say whatever. You you can say all the things you've been thinking for years. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) But I also feel like long-term, like, you know, going to therapy, talking things out together, that probably helps just going back to Jordana's question. Again, we had so many people like, you know, how do I get out of my rut that I'm in with my fiance or with my husband? Or how do we continue to definitely keep the spark alive? And I think like all of this, like you said, you can you can be facing issues and then you can go to therapy and work them out together and actually end up better like closer, Mm -hmm. more connected, which that's the thing. I think it's a lot of like Mike and I, again, we've been together forever. I think whenever we felt like we're in a little bit of a rut, if you will, because we have, there's been ups and downs. Like, I don't know if every relationship is like that, but ours has been. Yes. But every relationship is (laughs) okay. Good. Okay. Good. Yay. I honestly like (laughs) haven't talked to my friends about it in a while. So I (laughs) like this is therapy. Um, But yeah, so when there is, it's because I feel I go to him and I'm like, we are not emotionally as connected as we should be. And that just goes through like the, um, that happens when you're going through like quarantine living in 700 square feet. Like we are like you almost, yeah, you just lose that really crucial emotional connection. So I think as much as you're, you, you can never work on it too much because, you know, marriage is supposed to be forever. So if you want it to be, I feel like you always have to strengthen those those emotional connections through all of this communication and therapy and everything. Constant. Yeah. And and the truth is, as far as the sex question and keeping that stuff alive too, the 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 emotional connection, I think, is a huge piece and also ego, right? So <laughs> sex is very connected to ego, feeling desired, feeling, you know, not just physically desired, but obviously physically desired, but also just feeling like the person likes you and they like looking at you and they like touching you and they want to be near you and they think you're smart and they think you're funny. And so I think if there is a lull in that, sometimes just some appreciation for the other person and who they are can also help you get out of that. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. because it's, it's hard to feel sexy when you feel like the person that you're with isn't really that into, I mean, I want to say attractive, but not just physically, you know, like that you're right. You're fighting or you're annoying them or you're doing things that are annoying or you keep bickering or whatever. It's just not, um, it doesn't, you know, leave space for that. Reminded me not to be too TMI, but one thing for any couples out there that live in small spaces together and are home a lot together. One thing that's been a huge saving grace for Mike and I is like not going, like not going to the bathroom in front of each other Mm -hmm. as gross as that sounds and stuff. Like we literally have our bathroom right there. Like I'm like, we've got to close the door. We've got it. Cause if I see too much going on in the bathroom, I'm going to not think you're gross and vice versa. Some mystery is mystery is nice. Yeah, yes. that is that is true. Like just being aware of, you know, that keeping that, you know, attraction and, and it doesn't sometimes yes. people feel like, well, you should love me no matter what you should love my stinky farts, you should love everything about me. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's true. But I do agree that there's this, you know, that is the part that sometimes ends up you, you lose it because in the beginning, when you're dating, you're putting literally everything about yourself is the perfect image that you're presenting on day one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think it is good to sometimes go back to that, you know, right. To like trying to impress someone. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. How like, and I feel like some relationships, it's like, you know, you're presenting that perfect image while you're dating. And then suddenly you get that commitment. He proposes. And like we, like you said, Jordana, like you've locked his ass. I think some, some (laughs) women or men too, probably like show it all right. When they have that sort of like lock. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's like, it's like familiarity is like not sexy. I think like a little bit of mystery probably 
is, which is that where it's also where like the date nights come in, I think, and mm-hmm. like the, you know, like like appreciation and that kind of thing that takes you like out of your original routine. But yeah, sure. I think spending that time too when you're, you know, out to dinner together, like just complimenting each other, saying nice things to each other, saying things that you saw the person do during the week, whether it's some a way that they handle the situation at work or a way that they handled, you know, just saying, you know, sometimes we notice a lot of nice things about our partner, but we don't always say them be just because the, the timing isn't right or you're feeling angry about something else. So you don't want to put, you know, give them, give them that or whatever it is. <laughs> There's multiple reasons, but keeping those things in the back of your mind and that, you know, that's also going to be sexy when you're out and the person's like, show, you know, saying nice things and making you feel good. I mean, what's a great first date, right? If you think back to like, when you're dating, like a great first date is when you feel like that person is really into you and you're really into them. Like the, you know, mm-hmm. so much of that sexual attraction is ego based. Um, no matter how good someone looks, if they're like, looking the other way and aloof and on their phone and like, you know, talking to other people, you're not going to feel like so connected and like, it's a great date, you know? So true. That's great advice. Thank you so much for coming on and helping our, our engaged and newly married, uh, Betches brides and grooms. Um, and where can they, where can they find you? Where can they get their own couples therapy? If they would like to reach out interested in couples, um, Right now, I'm mostly doing um, Zoom or virtual therapy, but you can find me at NaomiBernstein.com. If you're looking for couples therapy or individual, I'm also involved with a company called Grouport, um, where I do online group therapy. So that could be, you know, that's more right now, I don't have a couples group, I would actually love to do a couples group, but I don't have one yet. Um, But that might be great just if there's anybody who wants to address some relationship issues, I run a relationships group on groupporttherapy.com. So um, if you're interested in doing some group therapy, either um, just about relationships or anyone out there who is listening that, um, you know, has relationship issues, you can find me there on groupporttherapy.com. Or if you want one-on-one, naomibernstein.com. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Thank you. And we will be right back. We're going to play some games. We're going to play unpopular opinions. We'll be right back. All right. Now it's time for some unpopular opinions brought to you by High Noon. Some of these opinions might be unpopular, but you know what's really popular? High Noon with flavors like pineapple, black cherry, watermelon, grapefruit, peach, lime, mango, and passion fruit. They've got you covered for whatever occasion, be it your batch party, your bridal shower, cocktail hour, you name it. Nicole, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing High Noon was all over my bachelorette party. It is like everywhere. It is Mm. the drink of the summer. I love it. It's like, it's really like the best canned option to have at any sort of like bridal event or even just like regular summer event don't you think oh my can i i cannot say enough good things about high noon it's my go-to if i don't have one in my hand at all times on my bachelorette party i don't even want it it really is the best tasting and my favorite my friends and i love it because it's made with all real ingredients it's you know it's real vodka real fruit juice and you can taste that in it it's just so good. I want one after this, honestly. I should be having one now. To me, it's like synonymous with summer. Like if there's no high noon in an event, it's like not really going to be a fun event. It's just in my kind of opinion. Girl, I agree. But let's get into our unpopular opinions, right? Do it. Let's do it. Okay. Unpopular opinion. Your future sister-in-law does not have to be in your bridal party. You know, I agree. Nobody has to be in your bridal party. But this is tough for me because, you know, that Italian upbringing, that Italian family, we're very family, like put the other person in your bridal party. So but when it comes down to it, I agree that they do not have to. What about you? I agree with you um, that they don't have to. I think it also it depends on how much it means to um, the other person. Like for me, it's like if it doesn't mean that much to you and it means a lot to the other person to have them in then I would say do it because like 
it's a meaningful thing. Like if your fiance comes from a family that's really close knit, it's important for everyone to be in the wedding and it would mean a lot to them. Then yeah, I think you should do it. If they don't care and you don't care, then like, yeah, you don't, they don't have to be in the wedding. Right. I agree. Yeah. It's like, if, if it is really important, even if you're not that close with the sister-in-law, just do it to make your, if it is important to your significant other, why not? I agree. So 80% of our audience actually agreed that your future sister-in-law does not have to be in your bridal party. 80% is a lot. So that is a lot. All right, let's do another. All right. Our next one, you should wear all white to your events as a bride. It looks so much cuter. <laughs> I think you should wear all white to a good amount of events and definitely the wedding, although you don't have to. Um, but I, I, for me, okay, I personally really have really liked wearing all white just because I love, especially with, with the summer event, I love being tan, as you know, and I love like the way white, white <laughs> looks on me. So I'm, and I've had so many friends get married where like I couldn't wear white to other events. So I'm like, yes, yes I am wearing white to as much as I can because like now is my chance to be able to get to wear all this, these things. But I think a cool pop of color is like really fun. And like, I don't think that it's necessary mm-hmm. at all. And if white were not my color, like if I didn't look good in white, I would only wear white to my wedding. Probably. What do you think? Yeah. I think a lot of brides have the same mentality as you. It's like, this is my moment to shine as the bride. This is my one moment to like really wear white and embrace it and own it. But I don't, I don't think you have to to every event. I agree. Like throw a pop of color in there if you want to. I I don't think there has to be like a strict white uniform, especially if, you know, you can't afford to like buy a new white outfit for everything. Like if you want to just wear a cute pink dress that you already have, do that. Um, But I don't know. I think um, I I definitely am. I'm definitely wearing a lot of white outfits. I think wear whatever color you feel like you look great in because you want to look great. If you yes. feel great, you're going to look great. And if you like think a certain color is your color, I think you should wear that color. I have to say downside of all white outfits, I found this out of my bachelorette party, is I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm like a messy eater. Yes. I'm just like a messy person. I'm like, I can't wear any of these again because they're all like so stained. <laughs> I have like pasta sauce. I've I'm drunkenly eating pasta and my white outfits are like done. <laughs> I've noticed that too, especially if you're like me and you do the self tanner or spray tan, like that will be on your white outfits after. And you've just, you can't, you got to get a real good dry cleaner or else you can't wear it after. So that's something to keep in mind. But like you said, I think like on my upcoming bachelorette party, I found an outfit that's for one of the nights that's brown randomly, but it's this cute satin outfit. And I was like, you know what? I want to wear this. So I'm actually making all my friends wear white that night. We're, we're kind of reverse so I can stick out. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. Should be good for photos. 67% agree that you should wear all white. So I guess, I don't know. We we kind of said both. So I don't know if we're with the majority or not. (laughs) They like to embrace their inner bride. That's true. Yeah. All right. Giving your bridesmaids a list of duties is rude. <laughs> what do you think? Look, I'm a hard disagree with this. I ha- I didn't do it personally. Like I didn't give a list of duties. And I do think that verbiage kind of sounds a little c- can come off rude, like a physical list of duties. But uh, we always say on the podcast, we say like your bridesmaids aren't mind readers. You got to delegate stuff to them if you want them to help. So I'm I'm all for giving them some duties, like assign them stuff, ask nicely, ask them to do stuff. Don't be a tyrant and make them do duties. But like, if you want help, ask them. And if that's in the form of a list, then so be it. What about you? Okay, I okay, I am with you on the like you. If you want someone to do something, you should ask. But like, I think that's all it should be is a request, like a very very sweet request. But I do not think mm-hmm. you can like I find a list to be like, these are your responsibilities. And I don't agree with that. I think anything anyone should does should be out of the goodness of their heart. And you can ask someone how they would feel about doing this. Like if I'm like, how would you feel about being the one to like bustle my skirt? Like would that would you be OK with that responsibility mm-hmm. or like are you not? into? you have to give them like an out. I would never give yes. anyone a list of responsibilities that I wasn't paying personally. Yeah, <laughs> true. I think it's just like a little entitled, but I might, you could say, you could ask someone nicely if they would mind doing something 
And if they say yes, you can write it out for them. That's as far as yes. I would go. And make it like you said, make it sound like an honor. Be like, I would love for you to be the special one to bustle my dress. Like make them feel special right. for doing You're the that best duty. at bustling. I don't think anyone could <laughs> bustle my dress as well as you could. So if you would be down, like I would be so honored if you would bustle my dress. <laughs> yes. Then they'll be enthusiastically jumping to bustle. Seriously. Um, all people want is to feel like appreciated and like that they're good at something and they'll be much more likely to like want to do it. Someone had yeah, to me true. a list personally of like of like my duties at at a wedding that I'm giving a gift for and that like I'm attending as a guest. <laughs> I would like not be pleased Too much. personally. And I have seen if you're going to be the list hander, if you're going to be that type of bride, hand that list at the very beginning when you're asking them to be your bridesmaid or not, oh, so yeah. that they can say no if they're not cool with it. Other totally. than that, don't please don't hand a list. <laughs> Yeah. Give them um give them the full contract before they know what they're agreeing to. If you're if the you're contract. if you're a list person, give the list with the offer. You know? I'm scared of that. So when you of don't buy a house without knowing the price. So just saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that was unpopular opinions brought to you by High Noon with 100 calories. It's gluten-free. They have no added sugar. High Noon is more than a drink. It's a way of life, an attitude, a vibe. Because when the sun's up, there's always good times to be had. Personally, like I love the watermelon flavor. I have it. I've had it at every pool party this summer and I plan on having it at every pool party for the rest of the summer. Nicole, what's your favorite flavor? I, you took the words out of my mouth. I love the watermelon mango too, but Mike and I physically fight over the watermelon when we have it. It's a fan favorite and it has real vodka, real juice. And like I said, I have it at every pool party when I'm at the beach. It's the only thing I will drink. Mm -hmm. So you can find out where to purchase high noon by visiting high noon spirits.com. And we will see you next week till death do us part. The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Nicole Pellegrino, Sean Kilby, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.